Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hours here, OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. John McClain with us as well. Congratulations, John. On not just the retirement, but John McClain Day, the city of Houston yesterday proclaimed yesterday, April the 5th, 2022, John McClain Day. What is that like, John? It was overwhelming, guys, to tell you the truth. As I walked up to City Hall and I went in the doors to go through security, I was reminded the last time I went through those doors was 1995 when our former mayor, Bob Lanier, was fighting with Bud Adams over Bud Adams trying to get out of the last year of his lease so they could move to Nashville. And so I went inside, Mayor Sylvester Turner, who has done a tremendous job, he was so gracious. He gave me, as you can see, a proclamation, and then they had a caricature, and he went to the University of Houston. He gave his his sign, I gave the Sikkim Bears sign, and then I addressed uh, uh, the city council. Three council members said some things about me, almost all of them. Two of them said, I've been reading and listening to you my whole life. The other one said, when I was a child, my daddy said, if you want to know what's going on in Houston football, you read John McClain, you listen to him on the radio. And I think he said that was like 40 years ago. And I know I'm old and I've been around forever. And I'm still doing all my talk shows, uh, 10 in six cities. And uh, but and I may do some freelance for the Chronicle if they need me, like a couple of other of our guys who retired that still write periodically for us. But the the outpouring has been just just blown me away. A lot of people from Tennessee have emailed me or texted me or called me. And I do appreciate everything everybody's saying and doing. And uh um I'm taking my time to get back to everybody. I had 283 text messages. I'm down to like the last 20. My voicemail maxed out. I'm trying to do a few of them a day. And then the emails, my goodness, they were over 500. And then yesterday, because of that, got attention on all the TV stations in town and the Chronicle on our website. I got a whole new group I have to get back to. And I'm going to get back to every one of them. So great, John. Congratulations. Any chance you, that, that, that that proclamation or, or whatever the right word for it is uh, goes over your right shoulder there in place of those uh, fine dishes that we've become <laughs> so familiar with? Not if my wife has anything to say about it. No way. I've told her several times I've taken over our dining room. She took over a bedroom for her office. And I told her, I said, I want to put some things up here. I look at everybody's background when we do uh, when I watch them on TV or on the internet and I want to see what they got there, like you guys got a tremendous 
background at Outkick 360, and I've got so many things that I could put on the wall. I thought I'd put things like a bookshelf with War and Peace and some other things All that, of favorites. course, I would never have read. <laughs> All my favorite novels, yeah. And uh, But she said, absolutely not. You're not touching anything. John McLean is just uh, just surrounded by Russian literature uh, behind him this <laughs> entire time. Would be, it would be a great look. Someone commented on our YouTube chat at one point and said, I always took John McLean as a big dish on the wall kind of guy. <laughs> he saw the dishes behind you last time. John, is there a That's story? That's our china closet. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, John, is there a story that you did not have room to fit into your final column? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote a. Uh, I, I know they didn't the last give you one I, any parameters here. I think you could write whatever you wanted, I'm sure. They didn't. They said write what I wanted. It was the second longest thing I ever wrote and uh to uh when i did four open pages in the chronicle in 1998 after spending the night with slinging sammy ball at his ranch in uh rotan texas and in this one i i had a paragraph or two about stories that i'm not going to get into that were great stories and then i did 10 of my all-time favorites and uh it was long and they said write whatever you want and we'll get everything on uh TexasSportsNation.com, and then we will cut when we have to for the Chronicle. And and uh, so I was thinking, I have so many. I'll tell you one. There's so many people ask me about my favorite. It's not really favorite. It's memorable because when I think about the most monumental things that I've covered, number one was losing the Oilers to Nashville. That was a two-year process, as you guys know. And that was took a huge toll on so many people here because the Oilers were the most favorite team. And I covered them for 20 years and going through a two-year process with that here and what it was like for them and all the negativity, that was monumental. And then the other one I say monumental, here all you say is one word, Buffalo. Now, the, the Oilers and the Texans have played the Bills like 100 times, but you say Buffalo, people are talking about choking the biggest lead in football history, 35 to three in the third quarter of the wild card game after the 92 season in Buffalo. And it was that game to me still is the most impactful I've ever covered in a negative sort of way. And another story that and I've written this, I've talked about it on the radio and, and I'll tell you guys, cause it affects uh, us and it's of interest to your listeners. The last game that the Oilers played here in 96, we all knew they were moving to Nashville, and probably about 15,000 fans showed up. And we had all of our assignments in the Chronicle. We had a lot of people out there chronicling the last game, and everybody went to the dressing room. We had city side reporters talking to fans. Well, I went out to the exit in the center field outside the dome where Bud Adams would park his limousine, and he had driven over from his house and driven down Kirby Drive, came into the dock and parked inside. And so I went out there to try to talk to Bud. Well, what And my last memory of the franchise in Houston was Bud and Nancy coming out in their limo and the fans, there were probably like a hundred fans who did what I did. And they were out there and they were just screaming and yelling throwing stuff, jumping on the hood, climbing on the trunk, screaming the worst things you can scream at Bud. And I felt bad for Nancy. And, and so I wrote a story about that 
not about the game of the players, but about Bud's uh, last game at, at the Astrodome. And as people don't realize now, because it's been 25 years, you know, we never had a referendum. We had two to get the Rockets a new building, the Toyota Center. And we had one for the Astros to get them new Minute Maid Park downtown. But our mayor at the time, Bob Lanier, never would let the fans speak and actually put it before a vote. And as I reminded them uh, in one of the columns I wrote, Bud Adams wanted $180 million in public money. And back then, that sounded like a lot. Today, you know, that's tip money for an NFL yeah. owner. And that I thought it was just such a sad way for the Oilers to go out in Houston. But if they hadn't, Nashville wouldn't be my home away from home. Yeah, Nashville, thanks you for sure. John, uh, Nick in our YouTube chat wants to know, will you ever write a book? Uh, people ask me that a lot because I've got a lot of stories. No, I don't have the patience. I don't have the discipline. And it, almost every story I've written anyway, I've, if I haven't written about it, I've talked about it. There's a lot I could write that I can't say on Outkick 360 or any of my other stations that I do in Houston and around the country. But boy, in conversation, I could. If it was one of those like Vegas, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And, but I just don't. If I were ever going to have that kind of discipline, I would finish two screenplays that I did, started and wrote half of in the early 2000s that people at Paramount Pictures, a former executive, said, if you finish this, you'll make seven figures. And I never wrote another word. The history of your band would sell really well, even if it was just a pamphlet. <laughs> even if it was just a pamphlet. Even, uh, John, even as you... Uh, Imagine if they gave his band that, a, a, that should a, a be, day That should Houston. be your first NFT, John, is like a reveal of uh, some, some musical selections of the band. One person for, for, could, yeah, could get, it. get it. Come on, guys, come on. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the Buffalo subject, uh, I hadn't thought much about this, but with Frank Reich coaching in the division... How much does that stir up that memory uh, each time the Texans play the Colts and, uh, and, and fans in Houston have to see him roaming the sideline and, and read quotes from him all week? In 2018, his first season there in the first game, it got a lot of attention. And he made a boneheaded decision at Lucas Oil Stadium that put the Texans in position for Deshaun Watson to win that game, and they did. And my lead was uh, it was payback for what he'd done to Houston uh, in January of 1993. And we talked to him about it at the combine. I did did a story about it before the season, and and so that first year got of attention got attention. But since then, it hadn't got much, even though they have a good rivalry. But boy, that first year, I know Frank got tired of talking about it. John, how will you remember Whitney Merciless, who announced his retirement? First class act, came in the first round uh, from Illinois. And I remember before that draft, Gary Kubiak, the coach, and Rick Smith, the GM, both told me off the record, that's Whitney Merciless from, from uh, Illinois, a player we want to get, and they pick low. So I put him in my mock draft, I think. And when they took him, he uh, – he was, it took him a while to adjust to a three, four, but he was a good player, class act. And man, he did a lot of stuff, charities in Houston. I'm always so impressed when people give of their time in the community, Justin Reed, the safety who just left signed with Kansas city and free agency. Not only is a good player, but a great guy who's done so much in the community. And that was Whitney. And I'm assuming Whitney's still going to live here. 
and we'll see a lot more and more of him, especially when he's doing charitable work. Was it pretty obvious to Houston uh, that this was on the horizon? Is that why they traded him when they did? Uh, no, they, uh, yes, they thought that Whitney was at the end of the line. He went to Green Bay. He got hurt, came back, didn't do anything. and But he had a nice career, and he made a lot of money. One of the worst deals Bill O'Brien made as general manager and Jack Easterby, his sidekick, was they let nose tackle DJ Reader get away in free agency and went to Cincinnati, played in the Super Bowl, big role in the Super Bowl, and uh, they re-signed Whitney Merciless to a contract that everybody thought was preposterous at his age, and it's Whitney didn't last, and DJ Reader laughed all the way to the Super Bowl. John McLean with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up, we discuss the NFL draft. Paul's got a stat about uh, the teams that are a part of the first round and a percentage of teams who are not. We'll get John's take on the dominance of multi-picks in round number one coming up later this month and the teams who are not represented in the first round. And we'll get his take on maybe where the trends tend to lean at wide receiver, pass rush, and other positions. That's all coming up first, though. We've got uh, a great offer with the Masters starting up. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website. $5 win $150 for Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson to make the cut at the Masters. That's 30 to 1 odds. And you're betting for Spieth, McIlroy, or Johnson to make the cut. You choose. And if you win, it's 30 to 1. $5. Make, make sure this is for uh, your first bet. You opt in after making your initial deposit at fanduel.com slash OK360. You uh, jump in on this offer, Chad. It's a no-brainer. You, you've, got, you've got Masters champions and contenders that should be making the cut. I, I really like this one. I, I like this offer a lot. I, I like this Masters offer. And if you haven't done it already, what are you doing? Make a first-time deposit, then simply place... Your first real money wager on FanDuel Sportsbook on Jordan Spieth, McElroy, or Dustin Johnson to make the cut of the Masters. All winning bets will be fulfilled within 72 hours if you win. $5 to win 150 FanDuel.com slash OK360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We continue with John McClain. 
longtime columnist and a writer for the Houston Chronicle. It's going to be weird not saying with the Houston Chronicle or with TexasSportsNation.com, but he's with us, Outkick360. He's been with us for over a decade uh, and then in Nashville for 25-plus years as uh, one of the figures of discussing all things NFL. John, um, you're going to have some time on your hands. Plenty of time to watch Tiger at Augusta National tomorrow. I'm, I'm sure you're like everyone. We'll be glued to it. Don't you guys know that CBS is like, thank you, God, <laughs> because the ratings now, even casual golf fans and and non-golf fans are going to pay attention to Tiger, and they'll be praying next for him to make the cut. And I think it is a tremendous story. I'll be watching. I always watch the Masters anyway. Having baseball season starts, as you guys know, I'm a huge Astros fan, huge baseball fan. Can't wait to see them. Lost the World Series to the Braves. Can the Braves without Freddie Freeman? Can they repeat? Can the Astros now for a sixth year in a row get back into the playoffs? They've been in, they've won a series, lost two, lost the last game, one short, one game short. So I'm really fired up about this weekend. And I think it's a little too much to ask that Tiger be in contention. I just want to see him play and I want to see him make the cut in the ratings for the first round, maybe a record. Isn't it remarkable how, I mean, we're not glossing over this, but we do take it for granted what he's coming back from. You know, like Alex Smith came back from that horrific injury and everyone's amazed that he could play and it took him a while. Tiger's doing this in 18 months. I mean, it it's crazy to think that he was in a car accident and nearly had his leg amputated. And now he's about to play and tee off at Augusta National just a short time later. One of his sponsors should be Genesis because he was he was injured uh, at the Genesis Invitational and in driving one of their SUVs. So the moral is, if you're going to take an exit at 90, driving at Genesis is the best thing you can be in because of all the protection. And I thought he'd never play again. Everybody did. You know, you yeah. wondered, will he have a limp? And it's not like they let him use golf carts for him to be able to walk 18 practice rounds doing whatever he's doing is astonishing. And I'd love to see him be in contention right up to the ends. And I guess the highest rated masters have always been the ones that he's in. Yeah. And this one, can you imagine if on Sunday he was able to be there in his red shirt, oh. putting some pressure on the leaders? Be remarkable. I mean, it already is, but that, that would be, I mean, it would, it would be 2019 on steroids is what that would be. If and he's I mean, if he's just golfing on Sunday, I think it's a win, you know, to make the yeah. cut and be there over no the doubt. weekend. But, man, that would be something. Paul, um, 25%, you were saying 25% of teams don't have a first-round pick right now. Eight teams don't have picks. Eight teams have two picks. So that's a quarter of the league has 50% of the first round. Yeah. I got to think that's unprecedented, John. But to, so there's some teams that are all in and there's some teams that are all out. I've never seen anything like it, Paul. Now, maybe back in old days when teams didn't put as much stock in the draft and they wanted older players, they did this. But man, it's, and I can tell people, anybody in the media wants to know what it's like. What do you do when you don't have a first round pick? I can tell you what you do when you don't have first and second round picks. Because the Texans have met a first-round pick since 2019 because of Bill O'Brien's trades 
Last year, they didn't have picks in the first or second round. So they're having a big deal here for the fans because it's the first time the fans will be able to go to a draft event uh, and the Texans have first-round pick. And, of course, they got two things to Deshaun Watson trade. I don't know how how guys are going about trying to mock this draft. I mean, it, it's already difficult. You know, it's a crapshoot. And, and now you've got teams with multiple picks that who knows what order they're going on, on positionally. thing that blows me away the most is all the experts. And when I say experts, I'm talking about I like to keep up with the former general managers and the coaches who are in the media and the longtime draft nicks like, you know, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay and that group. And how coming out of the season, such a mediocre crop of quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden, and we see this all the time, Malik Willis goes to the combine and in shorts and a T-shirt with nobody rushing him and nobody covering his receivers. He throws some deep balls and people are like, wow, that guy's got a great arm. Uh, Duh, they don't go back and watch any of Liberty's games. And so it just amazes me the way not just quarterbacks, but other players, their stock rises based on what they do in shorts and T-shirts. And we see it every year. And now there's talk of Malik Willis going second overall to Detroit or somebody trading with Detroit or Houston at two or three to get Malik Willis, even though everybody says he's going to need to be out a year. And there are lessons to be learned about these quarterbacks that go high. Mitchell Trubisky, 2017, the Bears traded up to get him over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And uh, look at 2018, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darrell. And I can't remember who the other one was. The people who take quarterbacks way before they should be taken generally pay a steep price. And I think we're going to see it happen this year. And I'm just wondering, are one of these teams going to trade two number ones to try to move up to get Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett? A couple of good teams have two later picks and clear need at wide receiver. I want to ask you about them. Green Bay's at 22 and 28 in dire need of a big-time receiver after trading Devontae Adams. Kansas City has restocked to a degree with Valdez Scantling and Smith-Schuster, a couple of hyphenated guys. They're at 29 and 30. What do you expect out of those two teams who may be wrestling for for one of the same guys uh, in a in a receiver draft that's got guys who are tabbed to go late teens and in the 20s? If you need a receiver, this is a good one to get one, but there's no uh, Jamar Chases where people go, wow, this guy is going to be a star. And so if your team picking at the bottom of the first round, a lot of teams need receivers. They say, we'll get one later. Let's take another position. Let's take an offensive tackle or a defensive end or a defensive tackle or a corner, and, and we'll get the receiver later. And I know in a lot of mock drafts, I've seen teams with mock drafts with five, six, even seven receivers going in the first round. I don't buy it. There's too much depth at other positions, edge rushers, uh, offensive tackle, uh, safeties, really deep on safety. So I think it's going to be great. For a team like the Packers that needs wide receivers, if the Chiefs do indeed think they need one at the bottom of the first. But I think based on what you just said that Andy Reid has done, Paul, he'd be more likely to take one in the second or third round and get more value. But uh, I think that uh, Drake London from USC is going to be the top one. 
John McClain with us. John, uh, of the off-season quarterback winners, I, I was driving around thinking about just the different trade scenarios and what has played out this offseason. Did Derek Carr win the most because of Adams? Devontae Adams is now there in, in Vegas, and he's now paired with Josh McDaniels. Well, let's, let's look at teams that won the most with yep. their quarterbacks. That would be Tampa Bay. Yes. Having Tom Brady come back after two months. I never thought Aaron Rodgers was ever going to leave, but signed a contract. So they would, it'd have to be great for them. Cleveland, of course, it's causing a lot of controversy getting Sean Watson and giving him 230 million guaranteed with 22 civil suits hanging over his head. But the Browns are going to be so much better off on the field with Watson when he gets his legal issues and the possible suspension behind it. But if you're looking at players, and Derek Carr threw for over 4,000 yards, he's got one year left on his contract. And so this is, I'm guessing it would be wiser for them to sign him to an extension now because if he's better with McDaniels and the talent added, then it's going to cost them more money because the price of doing business for quarterbacks just keeps going up. And I guarantee you, any team that's negotiating with a quarterback right now, whether it's the Raiders or the Ravens, they've got they've got the Deshaun Watson contract like an 800-pound gorilla because the agents are saying, hey, we want all guaranteed money too. And they say that was just the Browns. Just because yeah. they're stupid doesn't mean we're going to be stupid. And it's going to create havoc for so many general managers. I don't know that we had you, John, since Bruce Arians made his made his move. Do you think that Tom Brady had something to do with it? I know that they shined it up as best they could, but it, it seems awfully odd, the timing of everything. Yes, indeed, Paul. The succession plan for him to want to elevate uh, Todd Bowles to the head coaching job. Could have done that after the season. To wait till now and then Brady come back with a lot of people talking about that uh, Brady and offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich weren't happy with the way they put together the game plan. Then Bruce Arians come in at the last minute and change things around. I never heard any complaining the year before, never heard any complaining about that before. And it's a shame because he's had a really good career. He got a late start on being a head coach. You know, his story is, is incredible. He was retiring, and his buddy Chuck Pagano called him and said, hey, I need an offensive coordinator. What do you think coming here a year or two? So Arians said, ah, okay, I, I can do that. And then Pagano got cancer. Arians coached, did a great job, and uh, was – I can't remember if they gave it to Pagano or they shared it, the Coach of the Year award. Oh, he got it. So then Arizona, Arizona hires him. And he turned them around and then Tampa hires him. And he got really lucky that they were able to get Brady to come down and won a Super Bowl. And he's had health issues. If I was him, I kind of was said I'd retire because of health issues. Everybody would have seen that. But now a lot of people are going to say it's because of Brady. And and I don't I, I feel bad for Bruce Arians, who everybody likes, that he would go into a retirement with that over his head. Hypothetically, if true, they they sure put on a huge dog and pony show at the press conference, right? With Brady being present at the announcement and Arians uh, discussing, you know, if, is there a rift, is there not? But hy- hypothetically, John, the timing of it, Brady goes to like uh, um, a Man U game, I believe, the Glazers yeah. own, right? 
The day right. after he gets back is when he announces that he's returning to the Bucks. And I'll, I'll also say, if, if there was a rift, we know who leaked the information to Schefter about the retirement. It was Arians uh, to get that I, out there. I think this, uh, if indeed it was because of Brady, it seems like they would have gone to great pains to try to make the timing where it wasn't so suspicious. Yeah. And I know you got to move on with Todd Bowles, but it just seems like they could have waited a month or something. But to do it right then, they knew what the fallout was going to be. They knew it was going to generate controversy across the NFL. And obviously, they didn't care. The only one affected by it, the only two, is Brady, and nothing bothers him. And number two was Bruce Arians. And, you know, Bruce just gives everybody a this. Yeah. And, uh, he, and he doesn't care. What I'd like to get is what he's got a senior consulting job to make millions to do nothing. John, Devontae Parker uh, traded to the Patriots over the weekend. Um, they, they have a, a number of receivers in Miami. He was expendable. Patriots have been on the market for a, a receiver. They end up with Parker, who has 64 starts and can certainly go up and get the football. I just don't know who's going to be calling plays for Mac Jones and throwing the football to uh, Devontae Parker. Uh, it's it's a weird setup. Strange ball. answer he gave at the owners' meetings where he said, uh, Judge, uh, special teams coach, and Patricia, defensive coach, were going to be his key offensive coach. That is very strange. Wouldn't surprise me if Belichick didn't call him. Even though he's a defensive coach, he's got his sons on the defensive side of the ball, Gerard Mayo and – his oldest, Steve, his coaches outside linebackers, they do the defense. So it's just weird having two former head coaches, neither one with an offensive background, unless you go way back, call them. That's why it wouldn't surprise me at all if it isn't Belichick doing it because Mac Jones going into his second season, he needs some TLC. This is a big season for him. And as far as getting Parker, I think under the circumstances is a good deal. Strange that the Dolphins would trade him within the division, especially to a bitter rival like that, just tells you what they think about him. And he, when he plays against the Dolphins, he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder. But one of the big mysteries going in will be indeed who is calling the plays for Mac Jones. And in typical Patriot fashion, they might have four or five people over there with a sheet in front of their mouth, lip syncing, and then only one is being heard by Mac Jones. John, why are the Jets so dead set on trying to make a trade happen at wide receiver instead of just waiting until the draft? It's amazing. I I just am blown away by it that they wanted Tyreek Hill. It would have cost a lot of picks, a lot of money. They wanted to do it. You have a young quarterback, Zach Wilson. You're not going to be any good this year. May not be any good in 2023. So draft a receiver. Let him develop with the quarterback. Don't go all in on a wideout this for this year or next year because you're going to be wasting your money and your draft choices. Devontae Parker's played 16 games once in his entire career. That's one thing I think uh, drove down his value for sure and makes me think he could be another not great receiver for for well he's 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 um affordable and he's making 5.6 million this upcoming season and i mean you take a flyer on a guy for what what ends up being like a fifth round value because it's a pick for next year 
right? Yeah, third for a fifth. Yeah, and and so the value of the pick goes down because you're giving it up for next year. It's not a terrible. Yeah, it's try, not a terrible. But I don't I don't think he'd be a savior. Considering that uh, you know you add Tyreek Hill to the roster, I mean, the, the Miami gets better, no doubt. But every, I think everyone knew that they were going to be moving Parker, and the, they do it within the division, which is also really interesting. You normally don't see that, John. You don't, and I'll tell you, Tyreek Hill, at some point, he's going to be going, whoa, I don't have Patrick here throwing me the ball anymore <laughs> because Tua throws the ball down the field less than anybody in the NFL. Now, maybe in his third season, he can stay healthy for the first time since, like, high school, and they'll throw the ball down the field. But Tyreek Hill will have to be satisfied with his mansion on Star Island and his yacht and his pool on the water because he's not going to be the weapon for the Dolphins and be a Super Bowl contender like he was for the Chiefs. But he got the contract that he wanted. John, we, we mentioned the Jets really wanting a receiver. The Panthers have been wanting a quarterback, and they've missed out on all this movement. Do you think they're drafting a quarterback early at number six? Texans would love to see the Panthers make them an offer three so they could drop to six because Texans have so many needs and pick up like a number one pick next year. Panthers don't have other picks in this draft to deal. And um, so Matt Rule wanted Deshaun Watson going way back uh, to the end of the 2020 season when he wanted to be traded. And they thought he would be their savior. And they were in on it among the final four teams. And they wouldn't guarantee all of the contract like the Browns did. And Rule calls the shots there. You know, he has one of the, he's one of those coaches who doesn't have the GM title, but he has it in his contract that he has the final say. Now, if he drafts a quarterback, that pretty much would assure him, I'm guessing, of another season beyond 2022, because if you draft a rookie and you play that rookie, then the owner can have high expectations. Now, they're going to start off, I'm guessing, with Sam Darnold, and one of the worst things that Matt Rule did was give up premium draft choices for Donald, who bombed out last year. I still think that Sam Darnold is a quarterback who could be good if he's with a good team, but he's been with two bad teams. So I'm going to be surprised if they take a quarterback there because it would be a tremendous reach. And I think if they do, his job won't be in jeopardy until 2023. It's interesting you say that, John, because uh, Carolina media at the owners' meetings really buzzing about Rule being a dead man walking and about them just covering a, a season knowing the ending, kind of like we feel like we're, we're covered the Titans this year, season knowing the ending, like the whole season being about what Ryan Tannehill does once the Titans get to the playoffs. They feel like they're covering a guy who's got 17 games ahead of him, and that's it. Matt Rule, of course, got, I think, what was it, $56 million, something like that. And if he gets fired, he can go back to college jobs after the way he turned around Temple and Baylor. People are going to say he's more suited for college. And I think a lot of schools needing a coach to help them rebound uh, would be interested in rule. Then Scott Fitterer, their GM, who they hired last year, and I'm guessing he would be given the power over personnel. But their their owner, Dave Tepper, is so hands-on. I'm guessing if they're going to draft a quarterback at six and reach as bad as they will, he would have to have a hand in it. He's trying to get a, build a new practice facility. He wants a new stadium. That's one reason they wanted Watson so bad. So will Malik Willis – or Kenny Pickett actually help them win 
and get what he wants built by their county and uh, other cities and Charlotte. John, you mentioned that the Texans would love to trade uh, number three for a, a quarterback needy team. Speaking of Carolina, that, that piqued my interest on number three. If they stick at three, if Hutchinson's not there, are they taking Thibodeau? Like, is that is it a pass rush pick at number three? Absolutely not. Kayvon okay. Thibodeau, there's, there's too much negativity about his motor. I've talked to a lot of people, and they say it's true. You know, he doesn't play hard on every play. And if you're three, you can't take a chance like that. Yeah. Now, their running game was worse than the NFL last year, worse than team history. The year before, they were second-worst running game. They've got to get it fixed. So if they drafted offensive tackle Evan Neal or Ike Kwanu could play guard for a year, it wouldn't surprise me. But they also are looking for a weak side defensive end for the 4-3. They don't blitz a lot in Lovey Smith's game. So if Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia, was there, or Aiden Hutchinson, I could see him taking those guys. But if they're the first two picks and they don't take an offensive lineman, this is what I could see. Right now, Paul and Chad could start at safety for the Texans because they really need help back there. Kyle Hamilton who is uh, one of the highest-rated safeties coming out in a long time. I could see them taking him because they got to have a starter. They lost their best one, Justin Reed, and two or three others left in free agency, and they need a starter safety more than any position. But they have five picks in the first 80 in the first three rounds. Then they have two more in the fourth, so they could do that. I expect it to be one of the linemen I mentioned, or if Trayvon Walker's there, I think they would go for him. John, I can tell you that I'm great when the ball's in the air, but I don't want to hit anyone if I'm safety. So just know that up front if I'm playing. I'm <laughs> yeah. No contact. I'm we not had, a contact guy. We had Steve Atwater in here yesterday, and uh, I, don't, I don't think we're living up to we're anything the, We're the opposite. I'm the opposite yeah. of Steve Atwater when it comes to seeking contact. <laughs> John, always great uh, to have you on. Congratulations on John McClain Day Terrific. there in Houston, and uh, all the accolades are, are well-deserved. Jonathan, Paul, and Chad Lack, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it as always. It's been overwhelming, and I appreciate you guys letting me stay on without Kick 360 because, you know, I love to talk football. Well, Thanks, love guys. Love Absolutely, John. Man, we'll catch John. up next week. John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to introduce him as Houston Chronicle. He's just now sports He's writing alumni. legend. Alumni. Sports writing legend. Pro Football Hall of Famer, by the way. We had a Hall of Fame day, and we – there's yesterday, and there's another Hall of Famer there. The man is the human embodiment of excellence in every way. The man in blue. Just so I know next year, what is the traditional gift for John McClain Day? Yeah, that's a good question. Great. We need to delve into that. A pillow? The man likes to sleep. <laughs> Cake. What do you have in mind, Reed? You have Cake. a smile. I have no, no, I have nothing in mind. Breakfast at Waffle I just, House. Every time I think about John McClain falling asleep on air, it brings a smile to my face. Must, Wait, mustache trimmer, maybe? How about uh, breakfast at Waffle House? Oh, that, that's every day. For those that, that are new to the show, um, John we, McClain fell asleep on our show. Do we have that audio? We put him, we put during, him to sleep. During a commercial during break. During a commercial break, we, we come went back. back to him, and he was clearly snoring. John? I asked him a question John? about the 49ers, I remember. I, I forget exactly yeah. what. There was something about the 49ers. And I asked him a question, and you just hear snoring on the other <laughs> end of the phone. And then Chad went, and I said, John? John? You there? John? John? And he initially denied it, but ultimately he, he was a stand-up guy. We, we came back to him, and he answered the question like nothing happened. 
The next question. We were denied dying. having fallen asleep, we and I, I said, John, we we had you snoring on air. We had the snores. He's like, all right. He said, all right, yeah, you no, got the, me. I, I was asleep. Initially, he said he got a call from uh, an assistant coach or something. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. The snoring assistant coach. It was epic. Yeah. This epic. assistant coach who didn't have much interest in sharing any information. I wasn't sleeping. I hit my mute on accident on my phone. <laughs> no, we heard you snoring, John. Well, that's okay, a, right. sorry. That's a top yeah, five moment in our oh, you're right, radio Chad, time I did fall together. asleep. You're right. Yeah. No you're doubt. right. I forgot. I was busy sleeping. <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing moment. Uh, it's certainly not the last time I'm sure we've put someone to sleep yeah. uh, on, on the show, right? But yeah, we could have done T-shirts. We put people to sleep, Yeah, including we, our guests, we can also our wake you guests. Up. We can also wake you up quickly. Uh, coming up, headlines of the day going into the evening and getting you ready for the Masters with Tiger Woods teeing off in the morning at Augusta National. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who do you guys like in the Masters as it tees off tomorrow? Outkick 360 rolls on. I'm going with Justin Thomas. I Justin think this Thomas is his year. Your guy? Yep. I, I've been on Cameron Smith for a couple of years. I, I'm going to stick with him. I don't like that he's uh, up near the top. Plus 1,500 is, is fine, but I'd prefer bigger. I'm going to go um, – I'm, I'm down to two that I've bet on already. I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler, a little, uh, little outside the box, who's been playing really well. So the average Masters champion wins, on average, 6.4 tournaments. It takes them, on average, 6.4 tournaments before winning at Augusta. This is Justin Thomas's seventh. So if you go by that, like... That's nice. He, uh, and he's been striking the ball well, um... John Rahm is is the favorite, and for good reason. Um, I'd like to see I, how often the favorite wins it, because I don't feel like it's that often. Yeah, and where's Kepka in all this? Kepka is way down the list of uh, odds. I, I noticed that I was looking for him, and you can get him pretty good odds uh, to win it. I mean, he's not you know down to the bottom, but he's he's buried further on that list than I expected. I'm surprised that Tiger's so high on the pecking order of this. I, I realize, like, well, they don't he's want the to greatest, have to pay a billion but, dollars in returns based on the fact that everybody's betting. Yeah, on. but you you said sucker bet. Like, you, to I me, you're trying to influence people wagering in that way. I, at least I would perceive it to be that that way. But he's also won the tournament multiple times. So yeah, I think they have to hedge. I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I can't wait to watch him. I, I'll go I just, through it a lot more detail tonight and uh, and pick I, out some props and some top forties. I like playing with that. Cameron Smith fourteen to one, Justin Thomas fourteen to one, John Rahm ten to one. Um, I I realize that he's never going to say this. I hope that he just uh, Tiger. I'm speaking of is able to get through the tournament, however long he he's in this tournament. I we certainly are thinking he can make the cut. Absolutely. I just hope he doesn't have to withdraw. Yeah, you know, and, I, I don't want to see that. And he, look, he knows he knows himself better than anyone, and he said it. He's like, I had no issue doing the golf things, you know, my swing, right. Everything else. He's like, it's gonna be walking that that long. And I have seen some 
reports of him limping a bit. Uh, oh, I've look, seen. Looks you like can looks see like it. he's you can limping, see especially up the steep inclines. You can see it. Yeah. So it, his gait is much different than the typical Tiger Woods walking around right. the course. You can tell that you know he's something to tell that yeah his he's leg been is in rehab. Yeah, messed up. I mean, yeah, and it's going to be that way forever. Forever. But you know, I, I think it's telling that every day this week he's been playing. You know, he hasn't been taking off a day in order to but rest he's played for nine Thursday. A lot of those days, I, he's still I am. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic based on the schedule this week of him playing, of of what he said in that press conference. Again, my my level of uh, success this weekend for Tiger would be making the cut and playing all four rounds. I mean, I, he does that. That's great. Everything else is gravy. I want to see him in contention. But I'm optimistic he's going to play. He's going to make the cut and play all four rounds. And I'll say in 2019 when he won uh, for the practice round, the day I was there, he only played nine. Yeah. So I think this is routine for him. Well, it's amazing to hear like what he does and doesn't do. I read detailed report of one of the practice rounds. You know, he, he hits it to a certain spot and then either, you know, BSs the putt or doesn't even take the putt. Whereas I would think, you know, no matter how well, expert you are, why not take the putt? What, well, what, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about the what putt. What the guys he cares do, about the approach. Yeah, well, what they do on the greens is they try to their caddies try to predict based on what has happened in years past where the pins will be, where the pins will be throughout the tournament, and they just they work on the approach. location, not necessarily where the pin is for the practice round. Yeah, trying to get a feel for it. It's just cool to me that they the, the way they get ready. Yeah. By the way, eighteen is longer. This year, they've moved it back a bit. Further tiger proof. So you, you have to be. You didn't even know if he was coming, and they tiger proofed it. You have to be perfect off, off the tee box. Hey, quick shout out before we uh, sign off here. We saw Eddie George last night at the yeah. charity event, and uh, congrats to him and Mickey Allen, the AD at Tennessee State. They will be the first ever FCS opponent for Notre Dame in 2023. Opening, uh, opening the season at Notre Dame. So congrats to them. Pretty Jerome cool. Bettis crashed the press conference today to announce that and asked Eddie, so, do you really think you can win? <laughs> uh, in, in typical uh, Tiger fashion, tying that in. Uh, enjoy the evening and get ready for Augusta National. We'll have full coverage for you throughout the day on the Thursday oh, yes. edition Let's of go. Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock. <laughs>